Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Amen. Well, I'm excited, and I hope you are excited. And I know that was a long passage, but I think it was very important. Don't you agree? Yeah. It was important in the fact that it talks about three different things. Uh, one of them is this guy loses a sheep. And then there's this lady that loses a coin. And then there's this father that loses a son. Now, uh, I, I tend to well, understand what, what losing sheep is because I was a shepherd boy when growing up. We lived on a farm, and my job for about seven years or so, every single summer, I had to tend sheep. And sheep are extremely stubborn. Um, if they know you and they like you, they will follow you. But if they don't, well, they're always kind of like looking for, you know, the next best thing, you know, beat across the street. They don't care. My brother, actually, um, he was tending our sheep and this sheep decided to go on its own and got killed by a truck. Well, needless to say, my dad had a conversation with him, if you know what I mean. Um, But sheep, they kind of have a way of sort of losing themselves. And then there's this coin. I mean, how do you lose a coin, right? Like you can put a coin in your pocket and just kind of, there's a hole and it just sort of slips out. But when we're talking about the prodigal son, if you talk about a son choosing to leave, that was a deliberate intention, right? It wasn't just something that, oh, you know, I was here and there, but then I just kind of lost. No, he came to the father and he said, give me everything that you promised me because I no longer am satisfied in this relationship and I want to go and make my own life. It was an intentional sort of leaving. I think a lot of times you have to wonder what exactly did the dad think, right? Like, I mean, I provided for this kid for you ungrateful little, you know, like, I wonder what the father thought. But, but I think all these three different stories, they have different ways of, of saying the same thing. There's different ways to get lost, but the idea is that you are lost, Maybe you are lost because somehow you just sort of decided that you're not going to go to Sunday morning once and then you kind of decided that you're going to pick up a hobby and you sort of made new friends that are not in the church and, and you sort of kind of drifted away. Or maybe it was something more like you saw something being like, like a sheep, right? Like they saw a green, a better pa- pa- uh, pasture and, and you kind of walked across the street to that one thing because you, you thought that maybe fame or, or popularity or money will make you happy. So you sort of got drawn away by that and you got lost yourself in that sense. Or maybe you actually deliberately said, I am tired and done with church and I no longer want to be part of it. And you deliberately made a choice to say, you know what, it's great, you guys can do you and I can do whatever I want to do and, you know, I, 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 I can manage on my own. But I think if you have been lost or you've lost something, I think it can be extremely a distressing time of your life, isn't it? Like if you had a check and you lost it, or if you, if a check, maybe it's not because you might get another one, but, but if you had a thousand dollars and you lost a thousand dollars, it hurts for a while, right? Like it's, there's, you know, there's something that it's, it's distress. Well, if you yourself have lost yourself, well, that definitely can be a very stressful time of your life. I remember one time we were climbing Mount Rainier 
Never made it to the top, by the way. Um, speaking of accomplishments, I'm s- still trying to like do that one. Not in 2018, probably 2050. But um, the idea was that we we gonna we gonna summit, but just so happens that about 10,000 feet, which is about 5,000 feet more than the parking lot, um, we kind of got caught in this um, foggy situation where you can really see more than two feet in front of you. So we decided that we have to turn around because there's no way to keep on going. And it was, it was snowing and it was foggy and you could not see anything. So we started to turn back. But, you know, up until now, we were following this, this um, path, right? But now it's snowed in and there's markers, but we kind of missed some of the markers and we stopped seeing those markers. You know how distressful that can be? Like, but then you're thinking like, well, there's more than one way to the bottom. So, <laughs> you know, you know, Oprah says there's more than one way to the top. So there must be more than one way to the bottom. Um, that was very wrong because w- turns out the one way to the bottom was me coming about two feet away from a cliff that was about a thousand foot drop. So then we just kind of stopped and we were just, we just realized that we could, could have just walked right off the cliff. Because there's a tendency when you're lost to sort of kind of go and not really pay attention to where you're going because you're trying to get somewhere, right? Like you're looking for things like that. Like this, I was motioning to Yuri. I was like, can you bring me my, my stand? And the stand is right in front of me, but I can't see it because I'm looking for the stand, right? Like, but it's right here. It's in front of me. So when you start looking for specific markers, you're not really looking around, so, so getting lost, I would say, is when you start to no, no longer see reference points, right? Because when somebody says, hey, you lost something, where did you see it? What? Last. Go back to the place that you saw last. Maybe it's still in the same place. And if you got lost in the woods, try to what? Retrace your tracks or retrace yourself back to where you started hopefully you can find if you got away from the path that you were going then maybe by backtracking you can find yourself and, and that's good advice i think go back to that where you started don't keep on going because there's more ways to get to the bottom well because there is a way but it just results in death uh, so, so the idea here is is when you are lost you're lost because you no longer have any reference points you don't really know, okay, I, <laughs> all the trees look the same. There's no markers. All the houses, if you're in some kind of neighborhood, and if you're a guy, you don't ask for directions. So, um, like, you, 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 all the houses start looking the same, and you're lost. And it can be extremely distra- distressing. Well, in a spiritual sense, this is what's kind of been happening with our generation. I think, especially because of what's been happening prior to us. Uh, if you were born in 1970s, 80s, I want to give you a little bit of background of what, what exactly happened. There was a time, right, like we're talking about 1600s and before that, where everyone served under some kind of like ruler, right? Like everything was managed by the anarchy and like there was kings and what the king said is what you did. But then in about 1400s is when the printing press was invented. So there's a revolution of art. There was a revolution of all these other things, right? And now people start to see, because you could spend your whole life living in a village and you, you had no idea what the world was about. But the moment you, start, you could start reading about other places that you never, you've never been before, 
And it started to cause a revolution of, of kind of, of information. We have that now with, with the internet. But the idea here is that, you know, there, people no longer had to live the way because they could find a better way. They didn't have to travel, you know, for, you know, three years to get a new life. They could just read about it and be inspired, you know, where they could read about a place that there was no tyranny or there's no king. And it, that was a really good thing. So, so that ushered in the era of enlightenment, and the and then that ushered in the what's called the like the modern era. And the modern era is this modernized enough technology, and all these these things happen, and and people started to see. I don't know. I no longer. I can have freedom, and out of this, something good came. Like there's personal. There could be personal liberty. People no longer have to serve a king, or you know. So, so this idea was a good idea. But then we started to see then 1800s, we start seeing, you know, um, the, you know, the whole evolution starts and, and these philosophers, they start to, to kind of go into a new idea, which is kind of most known now as the postmodernism of philosophy, which Postmodernism philosophy is when people start getting all the information they could get, they can start to decide on exactly what's true and what's not true. And they, which it doesn't have to be, again, a bad idea. But a lot of people started to have the same voice as the authorities. Right, so uh, used to be what the king said is what the people did. What the pope said is what the you know people did. Did, but then when this modern era brought all this technology, and then the postmodern era brought in all this kind of like, well, I don't need to serve the king because I can have a better life and I can do this and that. And for the most part, it was a good thing, but also ushered in a lot of skepticism, and people start. To kind of, you know, go into now, now 1940s, uh, there was this philosopher that kind of came up with the idea of deconstruction or deconstructionism. And what he did is he said that, you know what, we don't really have to hold to the same notions, to the same truths as, you know, the people before us. So let's get, to, let, let's get rid of the idea of marriage. I mean, like... Just because you work doesn't mean that we have to embrace it anymore. Let's kind of embrace this this new uh, kind of era in that we question every single authority, every single truth. Let's question every single idea and then decide for our own if it's true or not. You know the problem with that is that you're, you're not very good at deciding what's true and what's not. Because none of us can be the best at geometry, the best at theology, the best at philosophy. None of us can be all those things. We have to rely on some really smart people that came up with physics. We have to rely on very smart people that came up with geometry, with theology. So, so we can try to decide for our own of who God is. And, but at the end of the day... You, your lifetime and my lifetime, it's not long enough for us to have all the facts. For, for, for us to kind of become the best at everything. Even Solomon and all his wisdom, he still was deceived. 
I remember when I was I was in uh, university and I got to meet my, um, my the dean of my college. We had Ravi Zacharias at our church, so he he visited. So he he asked me like, "Oh yes, you go to my university?" I'm like, "Yeah, I do." Um, I do. And and he's like, "Well, how did you come to Christ?" And I was like, "Well, I was just trying to pursue." pursue truth and hoping that that lead me to Christ. And he looked at me and says, that's nonsense. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I'm just trying to pursue truth. And he says, well, it's like you got to understand a pursuit of truth without a pursuit of Christ. You are, you are subjected to your own emotions and you are, you have all these other things that you are fighting. And if you, if you do this, if you don't pursue Christ, then your pursuit of truth is so it's not only just the truth because you are predisposed to all these other problems that you have in your life and you'll agree with what feels good not what's what, 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 what it's true what he was saying is look if you just try to do this on your own without relying on on the, uh, theologians that came before you the saints that came before you if you start to question every single other because you're in, in search of truth he says you will find yourself lost You'll find yourself lost. So I know I kind of gave you a history lesson. I hope you're still with me here. Because right? I'm, I'm driving here to a point. Because the, the, the era of deconstructionism gave us the, you know, the, the sexual revolution of the 60s, if you can call it that. And the, all the revolution, all the diseases that came with it. And it gave us the kind of like the unraveling of the family. And then we find ourselves what's called now in a, a moral, moral uh, relativism, which is basically like, well, bro, you can do you and you can do whatever you want to do because your truth is your truth. And like, I just saw this at the Golden Globes. Um, this was on Twitter, a, a moment from Golden Globes where Oprah says that the most important thing is to live out your truth uh, because, you know, your truth is powerful. And I guess... Uh, because, you know, she was obviously speaking about all the sexual abuse in Hollywood and uh, Harvey Weinstein and all that. And I'm like, well, Harvey Weinstein was leading out his truth. So, so to say that, you, just live out your truth, bro. Well, that's just not true. There's one truth. It's so absurd. absurd. Think about it if a doctor says, oh, you know, I know you need to have your appendix removed, but uh, we'll, we'll just cut your leg. No, we need you to cut where the appendix is. Well, imagine if your architect decided, well, I'm going to put a wall one mile that way, and then I'm going to pull the other wall that way, because, I mean, this is just, this is abstract architecture. You're like, no, my property is that way. And I, I kind of like my walls, like, all to make a room. You know, and I, I need to have a roof on top of that. Imagine if a pilot decided, that, what's a thousand feet or two thousand feet in altitude? <laughs> You know, to you it's a thousand feet, to me it's two thousand feet. Imagine if we build planes at Boeing like that. Like, what's an inch to you? To me, an inch is a meter, but to you is maybe a foot. Like, I mean, just live out your truth. Imagine what kind of plane you would come up with. Like, obviously, for engineers, they have to come to a standard of understanding that, hey, we have the metric system, and you have the, like, the empirical system, which is the kind of like the inch and, and the feet. And we have to use either one of them, because if you're using inches and I'm using feet, uh, well, if you're using meters and I'm using inches, like, that's, that's, that doesn't work. That would not Imagine if you took the same approach to gravity. Well, <laughs> maybe you... <laughs> Gravity is affecting you, but physics don't affect me. Let's see how that works for you. 
So, so it, it's absurd. Like, to, to, some of, to some of the extent these things go, it, to me, is just... But then it comes to the spiritual aspect. And everyone can interpret the Bible for themselves. You know, the Bible, this, this is what the Bible says for me. Ah, uh, no. What does the Bible actually say? What did the author really mean? It's not what it means to you, but what does the Bible actually say? Now, I understand that when people say that, they're sincere. And I usually don't, like, I, I, I address it from here, but I usually don't, like, oh, you heretic. <laughs> I don't usually do that. Like, we obviously have to tell the truth in gentleness and respect. When we confront our atheist friends, where we confront our, you know, postmodern, you know, moral relativism, uh, relativist, uh, like, where any other is and isms, like, as you confront this, we have to deal with the gentleness and respect. But at the end of the day, we have to point to say, hey, I'm sorry, but, but there's one truth. And there's not many ways to talk because, and, because what, some of them can lead you to your death. And by the way, uh, if you say that your truth is black and I say that it's white, maybe there's a true shade to that object, but at the end of the day, there's one true shade. You can have your own views on it, but at the end of the day, there's a true shade to that object. Just like to God, there's a true nature. You might have your own view, and I can have my own view of who God is, and God reveals to us differently, but at the end of the day, God has one true nature. God is one true person. You know, and it's, it's, it's very detailed in the Bible. God is one in three. That means that God is, is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And when you have people that go around and they're like, well, I don't, you know, when Jesus talks about the importance of the church and all these other things, and you're like, well, I don't, uh, I'm going to do my own Christianity. I don't have to be part of a church just because the churches just really hurt me. Well, I'm sorry, the idea of church is not something that I came up with. It was Jesus who said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's not what you want. And no wonder now we're in 2018 and we have people, you know, guys that don't really understand if they're guys or or they're girls. When you start removing the markers of what, how you should live your life, then you you shouldn't wonder why you're lost. When you start to kind of deconstruct everything, because here's the problem with deconstructionism, right? Like, because the idea behind this was good initially, is to, we have to deconstruct things to understand things. Like, that's what I did when I was a kid. Every time my mom bought me a toy, I took it apart to understand it. Problem is, I couldn't put it back together because it was all broken. Imagine if you decided that you're going to take, pro- uh, take apart your dog to understand it. The problem with that, it kills the dog. There are certain systems that have to be understood together. And the Bible is, and the Christian faith is a system that has to be understood together. The moment you start getting rid of doctrines, the moment you no longer believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the whole thing collapses. And when I see people, they start questioning, oh yeah, well, I don't know about Genesis. I don't know about this. Like, I can take that, but not that. Like, I don't know about that verse and this and that. The moment you start introducing these things, I'm like, well, I've seen this before. And it's just a slippery slope from this point on. I've had people that were, you know, following, preaching al and all that. And then now they're like, they went through... You know, through, from Pentecostalism to Baptist to reform to very reformed to Calvinism to uh, universalism. And then after that, they went from universalism to agnosticism. Now they're atheists. And I'm like, exactly which one were you right about? 
Because you argue with all of those things. So the moment you start removing markers, the moment you start removing all these things, no wonder you have a generation of people that are so confused at what they believe about God. Because we all have our own podcasts. We have, by the way, if you listen to podcasts, I really encourage you to only listen to one person. Do not listen to one person. Listen to a variety of different people. You know, and balance your views. And because I, I had moments where I'm just like, up oh, from now on, I'm a John Piper guy, bro. Like I'm just John Piper's, you know, he's the prophet of God. And, you know, and then you have all these weird things because Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. Not John Piper's or Slavic's or Yuri's and so on and so forth. Now God speaks through us. But ultimately, we need to hear his voice. Ultimately, the, the, the final authority is the Holy Spirit that guides us. The final authority is the Holy Spirit. When He takes the Bible, He empowers it. So, so you know, I don't want to spend too much time, but there's this, this passage in, in um, um, Jeremiah 6.16. He says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient path where, uh, where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. God's saying, look, stand. Like if you are confused, if you don't really know which way to go, Right? Stand and look for the old and true and godly ways and walk in those ways and you will find rest for your souls. I heard this, this thing where uh, there was this, this tomb or uh, this guy got lost in a cemetery so he started reading the tombs and on the tombstone there was written this one thing that I, I thought was just so <laughs> funny. He says, Strange, remember me as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. As he, I am now, so you will be. Prepare for death and follow me. So somebody actually kind of thought that I was kind of weird. So they inscribed right next to it. Follow you, I shall not be content until I know which way you went. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's, that just nails. You know, I don't want to trust a way unless I know where it leads to. I, I, so that's why when God says stand in the, in the old trusted ways and the godly ways and you will find rest for your souls. Stop relying on your wisdom, you know, but look at the ancient path, all the, how the, all the saints that came before us and they testified to the same thing. Start reading them. Start going back to that. Now, if you have lost something, you, have to, you want to receive that back. If you lost your joy, if you lost you, like, a, lot of, a, lot of, a, a lot of your uh, anointing, if you lost maybe your freedom, maybe you lost, I don't know, uh, your passion for the Lord. If you've lost all these things, you have to go back to where you had them. And you have to do what you've been doing at that time when you had them. So, so if you've been questioning everything there is to know about God, and then you wonder why that you have no faith, uh, yeah. Like, and I think it's so weird because in modern days, they, they kind of glorify this idea of like skepticism where just question everything. Like you can be dumber than a cabbage, but like as long as you question everything. Like if you, <laughs> a great man said once that like, if you don't stand for something, you'll, find for every, uh, you'll fall for everything. 
Imagine if you decided that, oh yeah, I don't really know what I'm going, I'm just going to go. Like, do you want to go to LA or New York? Nah, I'm just fine. Like, do you wonder, like, if you're going to get lost, if you don't know where you're going? Yeah. Because to, to get to your destination, you have to have a destination first. And then you need to know where you're at, and you need to know the road. But a lot of people just kind of like, just, sorry for the lame term, but they just kind of wing it. Right? Like, where I'm just going to, like, go through life. I mean, you think about your career way more. We think about careers way more than we think about our eternity. You spend eight hours a day thinking about your job, and I do the same thing. How much time do you say, what is my life about? Where am I going? And what's the way to get there? And where am I at right now? Because that's important. So if you want to get back and have what you had, you have to go back to where you were at and do the things you were doing. So if you're a prodigal son, you have to go back to where things were good. And he says, when the prodigal son came to his senses, he said, wait a second. How many more people that are not even related to my dad have a good? And I hope that this morning it can come to your sense and my sense that like, exactly what did you set out to do? I just decided to do my own thing. How's that working for you? Yeah, you know, I'm sorry to use this, this phrase again, but well, this phrase, I don't think I've used it before, but um, Warren Buffett says this, that like, you know when the tide is out, you know who's been skinny dipping, right? Like, when, you know when, when things are not how they're supposed to be, then you, you know who's been like doing this naked? Well, when people pretend to have money and there's an economy crash, you know who's been smart with their money and not. Those people who, who are Christian in good seasons and out of seasons, you know their true Christianity when everything starts to go you know, off the rails. You really know your Christianity, what your Christianity is worth when you have a death in the family. When you, when you have a crisis in your family, this is where you really know, okay, how strong is your theology? How strong is your faith in Christ? Because if you just like, opt, if Slavic is not at the Bellevue campus, I'm not coming there. Not that that ever happened, by the way. <laughs> I have that at North Campus, though. Are you, you going to be preaching? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll be there. What does that mean? No, you should be there. Not because of who's preaching or who's not preaching. You know, you should serve God not because, you know, if your girlfriend is serving God or not. You should serve God not because you have money and you, you know, if you cannot make a church, we'll gladly give you a right. You should serve God because of Him. Not because of what, what's around Him. Oh, if Yuri's not leading worship, then guess what? Nope, not, not coming. Well, if the seats are not comfortable enough, it's not doing that. Well, you're doing just fine with, with Seahawks seats, being out of plastic, you know, in the rain, in the snow, that cost 300 Um, So, to drive that point even further. <laughs> but, like, the idea here is you come to Him because of Him, not because of all these other things. So, so my thing is, I'm going to give you a few things to do. If you, found, if you have lost your freedom, this is the time to come back to repentance.
If you've lost your freedom, this is a time to come back to repentance. Say, Lord, I, I am not what you call me to be. Lord, I need you to change me and transform me. If you lost your freedom, come back to repentance. If you lost your victory, if you feel like every single time you, you stand against the enemy, you against sin, you are defeated, most likely you have to return back to prayer and the Word. You cannot be not consuming this and wonder you're, why you're so weak. Imagine if you decided that I'm going to go and bench press, bench press 300, but I haven't eaten for a month. Yeah, good luck with that. You cannot stand against the enemy if you have not been eating. If you have not been, been in your quiet time, you cannot stand against, against temptation. You cannot stand against you know, sin and, and all these other things that the enemy throws at you. You cannot stand against your own flesh, by the way. See, if you, found, if you lost your freedom, come back to repentance. If you've lost your victory, come back to prayer and to the Word. You, I promise you, make a, a daily thing where you take 20 minutes and say, I will, I will spend these 20 minutes in the Word. I will turn off my phone. I'll put my phone in the living room. And this is my time with God. This is my time where, where I spend with the Lord. I challenge you every single morning to have you know, a, a small thing with oil in your car, in your glove box, or in your, you know, whatever you put your other stuff in the car. And every single morning, take that, anoint yourself and say, today I will live for the Lord because I belong to the Lord. And today I will glorify the Lord with all, with all that I have. If you lost your joy, if, I want you to listen to me on this one. If you lost your joy, return to worship and praise. Return to worship and praise. If you lost your, your freedom, return to repentance. If you lost your victory, come back to the word and to prayer. If you lost your joy, come back to worship and praise. You cannot experience joy if you come here and like, Thank you, Jesus. I think I got a text message. Where's my phone? Like, be in worship. So God, I now it's, it's tough because I know if you serve, it's it's really tough. Like you're you're like okay, get this. Yeah, I'm about to preach. Like I know if you serve in the house is is different, but but if you serve in the house and you feel like hey, I'm not spending that, go to a different service. We could just be ministered to. You know, we have we're gonna have we have our blocks. We have we're gonna have a prayer service. Go where you can just be ministered to. If you are serving and you kind of, I know the ushers and all of you guys, like it's, it's kind of tough because you're like, well, there's people coming in and so on and so forth. If you lost your anointing, I want you to listen to this. If you lost your anointing, if you're not preaching like you used to be preaching, if you're not worshiping like you used to be preaching, I mean, like you used to be preaching, I wish that was true because <laughs> uh, I'm not good at singing, period. Um, if you have lost your anointing, Go back to brokenness. Go back and sing before the Lord and, and saying, God, I and anguishing before Him and, and start praying for people. You see, the, the fight 
in preaching for me at least here I understand that if I come up here and I haven't been praying I've already lost the fight my fight is already won or, or lost in my prayer closet before I get up here if you lost your anointing start dealing with God and come broken before the Lord and say God you know who I am God, I don't deserve this. And it, 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 I'm very weary about like people to come up and be like, give me the microphone, I'm going to preach. I'm going to, I got this. Uh, you know, like, just, just tell me what to do, bro. I got, I got this. Because I'm like, no, nah, you should probably, you're not ready for this. Because if you're really called to preaching, and if you're really, really is, is preaching something that God has called you to do, then you would understand that it, every single time you get up here, I feel so nauseated, and it's weird, because it could be two or, or a thousand people. It doesn't matter. Every single time I'm thinking, God, I am not worthy to do this. Someone that knows what they're doing should be doing this. You feel extremely unworthy, and like, God, I, I, I need your strength. There's no way I, I can pull through another 45-minute message, or 30-minute message, or whatever it is. If you lost your anointing, go back to brokenness. Go back to anguish. Go back before the Lord and saying, God, give me souls. God, give me a little passion. God, give me you. And if you lost your passion, if you lost your passion, that is because you haven't been investing. You haven't been putting your treasure in heaven. Your heart is not invested because your treasure is not invested. So this morning I'm wondering, what are you dealing with? I'm not sure how much time we have so so i'm gonna have to kind of start winding down here but i'm asking you this morning what have you lost what is the pain that you're dealing with what is the stress maybe you've lost yourself because if you're like gave into the ideology of the world because you see we constantly fight three different things we fight our flesh we fight the enemy and his demons and then we find we fight the ideologies and the world himself, them, themselves. Apostle Paul says that we cast down every imagination that rises itself above the knowledge of Christ. We proclaim Christ over everything. We say, let every man be called a liar. So if you've been listening to philosophers, you've been listening to your friends, you've been listening to all the things, if you've been doing all that and you haven't been listening to this, and you wonder where you're lost, well, there's the problem. If you're a minister and you've lost your anointing, it's because you've been losing your time with the Lord in brokenness and in anguish. But I think the good news of this whole story is that we see that every single time a sinner is found, in the first and second stories, when he talks about the sheep and the coin, it says that the person who lost that, they called their friends. And they said, come to me because I have this amazing thing that happened. My sheep, my coin was lost, but now it's found. Come and rejoice with me. And Jesus says, there's more joy in heaven when someone comes home. And when someone is just there. 
And when we see in the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son, you know, like when you, when you have a fight with someone, especially if it's your parents, you're like, I'm going to say this. And you, ha- you, you have this whole script written, all this thing that you, you sort of kind of prepared for yourself. That I'm going to go up to my dad and say this. And, and, and if he says this, then I'm going to say this. And then if he says that, well, I'm going to say this. And, and he had all this worked out. And he just kind of goes and he says that his father saw him from afar and started running towards him. And when they embraced each other, this, this kid this starts like, like I, let me explain. I, I really just, I, the, the one he did to, to, to kind, of, kind, of, kind of, like he's all stuttering. He's all trying to like explain himself. Like, I don't want you to accept me back as a, as a son, but God, uh, dad, if you, if, you could just, if you could just accept me as... And the dad just completely ignores all that. And he starts giving words like, bring quick, give, give, get the ring, get, get the robe, put this on him, put the sandals on him. And this kid is all getting dressed up, and he's just like, is this for real? Why would God, well, why would dad do this? And um, you see, <laughs> there's another part of the story where it says the brother was not very happy about this. The truth is, is that both of them were very lost. One of them kind of like went the lascivious way of going to Hollywood and Vegas and, and squandering all the money with prostitutes and so on and so forth. The other one was the guy in the house, but always kind of longed for that. Always looked through the window like, people are having fun out there, but here I have to work. And maybe if you were one of those people, maybe you haven't gone like in the Las Vegas and, and all that. You've always been in church, but then you see someone that they, they just came back from Las Vegas of, and they just came back and graduated from rehab. And they raise their hands and worship and you're like, I know you and uh, don't belong here. Um, just saying. Like, I don't have a problem with you. Just have a problem with what you've done, which kind of is like, whatever, like, the idea here, though, is that you, did, when it was hard, you left, is what I'm trying to say. The father doesn't care. Because he says he put a party for this lost one, but then he leaves the party. And imagine how crazy that is. Like, all your friends are there. Everyone's rejoicing. And the father... He's rejoicing, but then he hears the story. He says, your son came, and he's just really mad, and he started to kind of walk away. So dad leaves everything in the house while everyone's partying, and goes to seek this other son. He says, look, everything that I have is yours. You might think that, oh, your brother went and had fun, but your brother was broken. Did you really want to go and eat what the pigs ate? Did you really want to go and be addicted to drugs and pornography? Did you really want to go and sleep around and get AIDS and so on and so forth? Did you really, do you, you really are considering that freedom? Are you really telling me that you would like to do that? That's death. With me, there's life. Are you really, are we really doing this right now? And I, I wish that the dad had more of an attitude, right? But he doesn't. He loving and says, look, I love you and him. And he was lost and now he is found. 
So if you find yourself as the first category where you've left the church and you've went through a drug, you know, period and and slept around and so all these other things and or maybe maybe you're not like that. Maybe you are the religious kind. Like, like what what's that person doing here? Uh, they belong in the house just as much as you. And you should be glad that you didn't have to experience the brokenness that they have experienced. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.